Disassociating can be helpful. There are moments when life can overwhelm. When we experience a trauma or a painful stretch of it, it's sometimes necessary for us to slough off our physical forms, to leap out of ourselves and let our minds travel to a distant, undefined dimension where anything is possible and everything is of different stuff than from the place we were in. For instance, just today, I had to make my thrice annual visit to the dentist and it was not something I was looking forward to. Uh, as a kid, we had a wonderful dentist and a hygienist who had kind eyes and a lovely smile and just a hint of tobacco smoke in her hair. And once I was done with my checkup and had my vanilla mint fluoride treatment, she'd let me pick out whatever toy I wanted from a cardboard treasure chest that was kept on a shelf near her desk. The hygienist I currently visit is... How can I say this? Mean. Not only is there no toy chest, there is no joy chest. No life, no sense of humor. We start at that dark place of have you been flossing, which she knows the answer to, and so do I. And there's just nowhere to go when you answer yes, and then your whole relationship is built on a lie. But anyway, there I was, spread out in this chair, leaning way too far back, COVID vacuum whirring away near my cheek, and all manner of instruments prodding and poking, and friend, I was never so happy to see a textured light fixture in all my life. I felt my soul slip out of my body, my eyes fixed in a middle distance, and a tiny version of myself climbed up and over the bumps and ridges of that plastic light covering. My mind was dancing. I was free. Now, it won't get you out of going to the dentist, but the fact is that the more that you brush, the less painful your trips to the dentist are going to be, which is why you might want to try Bruch. Brush, that's brush spelled with a German visitor, is an electric toothbrush that will change the way you think about brushing your teeth. With powerful sonic technology and ultra-gentle bristles, the Brush redefines what it means to have super clean teeth. It's a fresh whole mouth clean every single day and right now. Deep Night listeners get 15% off their total purchase with the code POD15. Follow the link that's in our show notes that's there on the website, deepnightshow.com, and enter the code POD15 to get your exclusive discount and upgrade your oral care routine. I find it helpful to maintain routines for both physical and spiritual health, especially during the pandemic, and especially if you grew up, as I did, with not a lot of structure. We're talking about building your own worlds, the need to disassociate, and the slippery fish that is normal when we lie back in our chairs and open wide as we enter that magic glistening portal that leads us to the deep night. Deep night with
Oh, friends, hello. It's me, Dale Seaver, and I'm so honored to be your host, guide, and guru for this next hour of regrets and revelations that we call the Deep Night. We come to you tonight, as we always do, from the foul banks of the Gowanus. And right now, if you run down to the Gowanee, you'll see the top of it is covered in about a foot of fresh pollen, the result of vigorous lovemaking by our tree community. It's a good thing just to keep the mask on if you're walking around down there, not because of the virus, but you don't want to get a face full of springtime sex powder. Oh, folks, I'm fully vaccinated, so I can relate to those randy oaks. I feel strong and healthy and ready to visit my beloved LaGuardia again. Now, that second dose does hit different. After my shot, which was delivered in an old gymnasium where I waited under a basketball scoreboard and next to a sign with some half-deflated gold balloons marking the first 100,000 shots uh, given there, and those balloons were just kind of half-floating, you know. It was a weekend that I spent full of strange aches in both of my arms, and according to Glinda, I briefly turned into a shadow demon, and all day Sunday I could move objects with my mind, but the effects seem to be wearing off, and I am happy to say that I am almost back to normal, whatever that means. I'm very glad to have been able to focus on this show that we have for you uh, tonight in my delightful discussion with comedian and writer and voiceover talent Zara Mizrahi. So much of what we talk about resonates with me on such a deep level. It has to do with that impulse to disassociate, to disappear into a fantasy realm, whether that was because of a specific trauma or an absence of structure or perhaps a bit of both. We explore that shared impulse that we have as it relates to the creative projects we're both drawn to. I mean, what is a podcast if not a little escape from all the rest of what you have going on? I bet people disassociate with me or to me all the time. I talk with Zara about her work in the upcoming Modoc show on Hulu, her work as a comedian, and what it's like doing voices on Family Guy and American Dad. A wonderful time of it, and it looks like I might get some free homemade deodorant out of this one. So let's go now to my conversation with Zara Mizrahi. Zara Mizrahi, welcome to the deep night. <laughs> Hi, thanks for having me. Yes, it's so great to have you on the program, and thank you for making some time uh, for us. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you. Good, good. How and, are uh, you? Well, thanks for asking. I'm doing fine. I'm doing okay. Uh, I've got the second shot now, and uh, I've moved through the, uh, the the pain associated with that very unexpected feelings. Um, and uh, now, uh, now I'm starting to feel normal again after that process. Um, right. Yeah, yeah. You, you're all good. You yes. With that? I'm two shots in. Good. Um, and. Uh, it's I, I had the night sweats and the shakes and the whole thing and um we'll we'll see hopefully that's like much better than covid you know that's what they tell us yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's right. well good do you have a, a thing you're going to run out and do oh um mostly just hug strangers sure you yeah. know and yeah. um maybe just always appreciate worrying yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
just like be on the street without worrying every two seconds or um yeah i think maybe doing some shows we'll see Uh oh that's that see i'm I'm very uh, nervous about the whole thing i don't know that i could ever do it really ever (laughs) (laughs) maybe i never wanted to do it to begin with that's maybe the question but uh, i'm a little leery whether i have it within me to to do it again but yeah but you've been doing it for a long time, and we'll talk about that a little bit. But first off, let me ask you this. Do you have any interest in or experience with commune life? <laughs> That's a very specific question. Um, yes. I once went I went to Israel and stayed on a kibbutz for like a week. Um, yeah. And that's probably about the closest. Um, I've picked celery once. But that's, I don't think, I don't know if that counts, you know. Well, it just depends on the commune. I mean, if that's one of the chores, that comes in handy. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were going to say depends on the salary. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, ultimately, it's both of those things working in concert, isn't it? Now, was there a, a I always think there's going to be a goat on a kibbutz. Was there a goat there? There wasn't a goat, it, although I do understand that association. There were okay. there were a couple loose dogs nobody could really place and um and then they kept saying bo which means come in hebrew but everyone thought that the dog's name was bo and no one had another solution so we just went with bo for the rest of the trip (laughs) so we've just been calling a dog come (laughs) for a long time (laughs) and then the next group comes along and calls it something else you know i think as long as the dog isn't translating it in their mind incorrectly that's probably okay probably yeah. <laughs> Why did you ask about the commune? Just out of curiosity. Ah, uh, well, uh, for for most of the pandemic, we have been we established a commune in Brooklyn because everybody you know cleared out of Manhattan and New York. Nobody was here, so it was just f- free space for the taken. So I thought, well, why not let's get an agro society going and try and build this utopia? And uh, it turns out it it failed, and what oh. uh, wasn't as well. To be honest, it was in a just an empty branch of a TD bank. I did not realize that they had plans to come back in. Anyhow, uh, uh, so it, it didn't work out. I had to get out of there. I've relocated, but I'm interested just to kind of suss people out to see, is there interest in starting again? Can there be one that happens maybe bi-coastally? So uh, I appreciate any insights on that. Fascinating. I mean, I I get a CSA box every week. Um, so part I'm definitely, I like farms. I like the yeah. idea. Um, yes, we actually got a house in the woods during this whole COVID thing. So I've been like slight, not on like a commune, unless a commune can consist of like me and my husband and dog. But um, sure, you know, <laughs> and then one grocery market that we go to out here. Does that can that count? Um, you know, you're you're inching close to it. I would say that I, I, I might you. stop just a little short of a full <laughs> commune experience. Uh, but that and uh, you have been married for what has it been a year already? Um, it has been. We officially got married in uh, August of last year, so I guess it's been like eight months or something like that. Oh, yeah. Um, together okay. for three. Congratulations. Thank you. Our wedding got canceled twice during oh, COVID, so we my had gosh. to like finally just go to the San Bernardino Hall of Records and just have a really romantic day together. Let me tell you, you can do worse than San Bernardino. 
<laughs> That's a well, the way you say it makes it sound way better than it actually is. <laughs> you know why I say it that way? There's an album of Lou Rawls, you know, that, that oh, film. Yeah. And he's, it's a live album. And if for some reason, he takes a whole section in the middle to introduce all the band players, you know, when they each do a solo. And the drummer is from San Bernardino. And it's a, it's a very, oh God, I can't remember the so guy's funny. name. But it's just the way Lou Rawls says San Bernardino. Yeah, he can make anything sound good. Yeah, I mean, I want to go there now. Uh, <laughs> when in reality, uh, no, I, I think yeah, you're I not missing there. a whole lot. No, I have been there, and uh, I went to a golf resort there. But that's a story for another time. Um, and any uh, new discoveries because this marriage is so new? Have you made some discoveries living together that maybe you you wouldn't have otherwise figured out uh, cohabitating? I think that yeah. I mean, I probably would have figured it out eventually, but like <laughs> one hopes. <laughs> yeah. But like COVID give, kind of gave everybody like a 30 year marriage in six months. Um, yeah. Before this, we hadn't spent literally 24 hours a day together, but it was uh, it was actually it was actually fun. We like we did some fun puzzles, saw like how quickly the other gets aggravated when they can't find the right piece. That's always really fun. Yeah. Um, I painted like the inside of like I painted like the garage and so that like I think I think the test of like probably a good relationship is how much fun you can have doing really mundane boring things and, yeah. and we like, got a test in that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which actually we kind of crushed like we were almost like <laughs> laughing at how fucking boring the whole thing was um but then one of the biggest things that that was kind of amazing was going on a road trip. Like we went on a 30 day road trip and like camped in our car and went like around to national parks and living like the nomad land life for a month was really was really interesting. Like I had he, he would be like working while I was driving and then he would get so frustrated at something and I'd be like, I didn't know you get like that, you know, like stuff like that. It's like, I'm not with him when he's in his office working right. or whatever, but all of a sudden we were in our bedroom, office, closet, uh, and car at the same time for a month. So it was like, that, that was kind of interesting too. <laughs> Yes. Well, uh, kudos for you for accelerating the timeline so quickly and for adding levels of difficulty that you, you didn't need to add. <laughs> Thank you. That was my test. I was like, wait, we're already locked in a house. Why don't we make it smaller? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And yeah, then be far like... away from home to give us no options. Oh, gosh. Yeah, yeah. you really went for it. We if did. something was wrong, it would have uh, come up. And I'm glad that you, you did the test. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I, I'd rather know now. Wait, exactly. rather know now so we could get the marriage annulled yeah. instead of yeah. like divorce, yep. you know? Yep. Like I don't want to be divorced in my twenties. No, no. <laughs> and know? there's a good I think San Bernardino has a nine month window. So it's just like no no questions asked. <laughs> well, that makes sense because I could see a lot of golf people getting really high off like their eighteenth hole and then being like, Let's do it and then realizing it was a bad a idea. Terrible mistake. Lots, lots <laughs> yeah. of mistakes made and San Bernardino. In San Bernardino. Uh, now, right. uh, I did want to reach out, though, because, of course, you, you're in this uh, big new show that's coming out, MODOK. That's right. Yes. yes. Uh, that's uh, part of the Marvel Universe, officially. That's right. So tell me a little bit about that, and then I'd like to know how you got there. Sure. Yeah, that was, it's a crazy story. So MODOK is a super villain. I, he, he came, he was in a few different issues. I think he was in Captain America um, and a couple others. And he was sort of, he was a little more obscure, but he was a super villain 
who is a huge ego. He's like a big robot with like tiny little robot legs. And his whole objective is to be just as bad as the other supervillains. And he wants respect and he wants to be feared. And no one gives a shit who Modoc is, right. and um, he's, like a big, he's not a, a head, right? He's like a big. He's a huge head, kind yeah. Of ornery head, kind of floating yeah. around in a little robot chair, or perhaps by his own propulsion system. Uh, that's right. Yes, with an inferiority. He's like a square. Complex. That's right. He's like a square Roomba. <laughs> yes, <laughs> floating around in the air. Right. Um, he is played by Patton Oswalt, which is a perfect just a perfect fit i mean truly truly great Patton's so good at capturing the i want to be bad and then i can't do anything right like he's just he has such a perfect like balance of the two yes and um the the show's great it follows modok like through his business affairs and then into his home life and it it tracks his marriage and his children and his relationship with them and how they're coping with having a supervillain father and uh and i I've, i'm luck i was lucky enough to be part of the the writers room for it but also i ended up getting cast on it so and that's how that happened so i i was I guess I guess my managers had submit me to be a writer on the show and it, it had been staffed or something and I, I ended up being a writer's assistant on the show and um, but which was actually great because then I got to like be in the room pitching in the in the B room um, and I was able to contribute in that way which was really fun and then and then was, and then was part of the table reads like I read the stage direction for all the episodes and then ended up there there just happened to be a role that was like kind of fit just fit my voice so boy i tell um, you if you get that place where you're reading the stage directions those are always the people that get the that get the parts i know well they speak the most <laughs> right, right? Like, and you get used to it it kind of it, it colors right. the experience of the whole thing i think that's right <laughs> i think that's true yeah and and i had done been doing voiceover for a while and um and it it just felt kind of natural and I ended up just having so much, so much fun doing it. And, and Patton and the showrunner, uh, Jordan Bloom, who's truly great. were just so nice to like to hand this over. And I, I just feel honored to be a part of it. The show's really, really cool. And the, the production is so different and interesting. So I'm, I'm really, I'm so eager to hear what people have to say about it. Yes. And it's a, it's a kind of a property that no one asked for. So it's, uh, you have no expectations really, other than this is going to be an odd, fun thing. And yeah. if you get the kind of talent that you have involved with it, uh, it's going to have some integrity to it, which is terrific. And if everybody does their thing, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you. I like all the obscure things. Now, did you have any relationship to comics or uh, the Marvel world before this? Strangely, not not really. It was only when I knew that I was going to be involved with the show that I that I dug in and understood kind of the history and. Do they and send the... you a box of all the uh, Modoc appearances, or do you have to go scour the internet? <laughs> you can. Uh, uh, no, I think we. What what did they give us at the beginning? I must have done my own research, and then they gave us what we needed to know yeah. <laughs> um, for the for the show. But but it was cool because they actually took a lot of liberties and they. Jordan and Patton really made it their own. 
and it had been a while since anybody brought up Modoc, like you said. It's like no one was talking about it before they decided. And Patton is like such a huge comic nerd, and so is Jordan. True. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it was. It's just cool to see their take on it, and it also evolved while while the writers were working on it. Like they had one kind of image in mind, and then it sort of evolved, and then they went back to the to the pilot and like talked about it and it's just interesting to see how it can change and evolve depending on who's driving it right right yeah and i have a sense even though i kind of know who the character is and a sense of it um but i have the the uh feeling that one can appreciate this without any comic book knowledge uh <laughs> at all you just go in and have a fun time with what's going on that's exactly right. Because because yes, he's a Marvel supervillain, but he's he's your it's a family drama <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> about what happens to someone who's a supervillain and keeps, you know, yeah. getting into these little pickles that he gets into <laughs> and then you're just following that. Yeah, you don't need to know like the the characters or the world or anything. Right. You don't have to watch 15 other movies to understand the context for this. Um, and would you, right. are, are you allowed to say what part you play within the thing? Multiple? I actually or? don't know if I'm allowed to. Okay. Um, All right. So I pro unfortunately, no, no, no. I mean, until it sucks, but, but I'm in, I'm in three episodes. Um, and, and then I play like a couple little ones throughout as well. Right. Um, like just chime in here and there. Like, little things as it so. happens with those kind of animation things you get plugged in when somebody needs this or that or yeah, yeah. well that's right because there you you write lots of little little lines that you kind of don't think oh that means we have to cast that <laughs> like it just sort of happens right. and then when people are in the booth then you're like oh can you just like throw this in and then it saves you all this all this time exactly and that's going to happen on may 21st is that when that comes that's out? right yeah that's that's great we're going to be looking forward to that and uh, whenever i know that we're going to have somebody on uh, that has some background in voiceover and animation and which was long a dream of mine i will confess to you but sometimes life has other plans you know <laughs> has that ever happened to you where you zig and I mean, instead of zag <laughs> I mean, of course, yes. Although it sounds like you're really using your voice to push every to push your existence forward, so it doesn't seem like you've really taken a plan B here. Because I immediately was like, "That is a voiceover voice." <laughs> well, I appreciate that, and that's the best uh, uh, description of uh, what we're doing here. So, uh, yes, pushing existence forward. Uh, well, uh, whenever I do have somebody on that's that's involved in that kind of world, I. I have to go and kind of listen to the voice because I want to know what's what's going on. And so I did watch a few videos and things and got a sense of, of the, the nature of your voice, your natural speaking voice. I don't know how many characters and things you might do, but I totally get why you would be in demand. And forgive me, but I, I think that maybe uh, your voice embodies a certain California contradiction where it conveys this sense of a laid back vibe, which kind of masks this uh, turmoil and madness, a restlessness underneath. Do you think that's a step too far? No, I think it's I, I think it's a step too accurate. You you <laughs> just kind of you I was like, oh shit, you just like uncovered my whole life. That's exactly what it is. It's like a California sort of like it's all cool, bro. And then underneath, I'm like, I am a neurotic 
Woody Allen is. <laughs> yes. Well, uh, let's unpack that a little because even really... yeah, the fun, the fun Woody Allen, yeah, not the not this new documentary Woody <laughs> Allen. Wheel. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> It's getting a slimmer and slimmer part of that person that you can yeah, really maintain and, and carry forward. But let's talk about your thing, um, because reading through even your bio, it's a lot. There's a lot going on there in terms of things that <laughs> it seems that you've responded to and uh, 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 developed around or within. So uh, what part of Los Angeles did you grow up in? You're from there, born and raised. Yeah, um, L.A. proper. So I, I was, I literally was born in Hollywood and then raised near the Beverly Center. Oh, I, I like it. So, I like it over there. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's yeah. great. Yeah. And I was walking to school. I was like, my whole world was in this little LA circle. That's lovely. You go over to Jones on third and get that Chinese chicken salad. Oh yeah. Jones on third is great. Yeah. Nice cupcakes. Uh, lots of good sushi around there. <laughs> I mean, the options are just endless. Just endless. Uh, <laughs> H&M, you can shop. Oh. Gosh, now you're speaking my language. <laughs> but now, do I have it correct that your mother was a tabloid reporter at this time when you were growing up there around the Beverly Center? That's right. Yeah, she was. She she worked for the National Enquirer. Okay, so what what's going on there? <laughs> Great question. I'm still trying to figure that out. It's such a specific um, choice to make. Uh, it, I assume it requires very specific set of skills. Um, and uh, I imagine a lot of following up on mm, gossip and or rumors and then perhaps spinning a yarn out of it or moving it more towards truth or I don't I don't know. Yeah, I don't really know either. I'm sure I'm sure it's like a story by story basis. I mean, at the time my mom was doing it, it was the late 90s when these when these magazines, well, she was for the national work for the National Enquirer, which either won or almost won two Pulitzers, which I didn't know until recently. Um, every like, because I always thought that tabloids were like, aliens invade this woman's womb, you know, right. like stuff like that. But, but at the time, at least, the National Enquirer was, like, writing real story. They had to, like, make sure that they were real so that they wouldn't get sued. Because they would get sued and all the time, and the sources would have to come out, and it was a big mess. So they actually wanted to make it as accurate as possible. Now I have no idea what they're doing. It's probably, like, wild, crazy stuff. Um, but at the time, at least, and the ones that my mom wanted to work on, she, like, wanted to write honest stories and hopefully just good stories like she didn't really want to ruin anyone's life or anything like that like she was actually really morally conflicted about it because she just felt bad she was like these are people um just like anyone else but she had two kids to raise it's like a really interesting conundrum she was in yeah. after after she divorced my dad she was responsible for more so she was a writer in her 20s and then realized she could just use that and then she happened to land at um, one network that sent her to a magazine, which sent her to this magazine, and then she had to like prove herself through a couple of good stories, and then they put her on staff, and then eventually she would take me with her to like go stalk people, <laughs> and um, like we would crash weddings, funerals, birthday parties, like because no one would suspect that a reporter would be with a kid, and I hated school, so I was looking for any excuse to just get out and have fun, and, and uh, oh, that's what oh. we did. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what we did. It's a lot going on. Yeah. <laughs> Next question. <laughs> so, uh, but you're in on it, on those uh, gigs, uh, those uh, uh, 
<laughs> Let's call them gigs. Uh, sure, gigs. Uh, so like when that. you crash the wedding, it's like, okay, do, did you develop a character? Did you develop a sense that I am uh, performing in this moment? Or it was really just I'm going with mom to work, and this is like I'm sitting in the back waiting for her to be done or get her scoop, and then we go get ice cream. No, it was sort of like us together, um, because if she wanted to ask questions, she wanted me to be around so that it didn't seem conspicuous. Yeah. And um, and then once in a while, if she couldn't get anything, then I would ask some questions because definitely nobody would suspect me. <laughs> right. So so I would be like, hey, like, do you like famous people come around here? Like I got good at playing dumb, just like I was obviously asking about Drew Barrymore or whoever the fuck I was asking about. But like, <laughs> hey, so like, I don't know, like I saw someone who looked like, you know, and then they're like, yeah, or no, we don't talk about that. And we, I've, I've just like crawled under fences and like snuck into parties and like <laughs> asked for photos of people who were apparently famous who I didn't know. She'd be like, go up there and ask that guy for like, if you could take a picture. I was like, I don't know who that is. He was like on Quantum Leap or some shit that I like just didn't <laughs> care about as like a six year old, <laughs> something like that. So it was it, when Robert Blake killed his wife. This is a good one. <laughs> well, off to a good start. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, we went to the restaurant where it happened the night after and apparently um they, they like she and a photographer and i were having dinner there and we, they were just trying to get information out of the wait staff and nobody was talking so we we went outside and there's sort of like a huddle outside like what do we do now we can't get the information below and i was like a kid and i was like close to the ground and i just was like looking at the curb and then i found blood on the curb and they were like oh shit this is evidence and then they like took all the photos and it was on the cover of all the things and like i can't remember if they, like the cops eventually came back it was like a whole it was like a whole thing i was like discovering like a little nancy drew like discovering evidence and i love that stuff and now i'm obsessed with true crime ah uh, yeah <laughs> that's how that starts <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh -huh. um, and, and what does that do for your uh, sense of the truth that's a good question. What does that do for my sense of the truth? I mean, I wasn't making anything up. So I wonder if it actually just enhanced my relationship with the truth mm. because I was like, that's true. Yeah. Um, well, you were making up some kind of story for why you were in these weddings and why you were appearing at various parties. Guess, although, right? although nobody was like, tell me your story. And then I had to like fabricate. It, it was just more like, I'm just a kid. Like, it's almost like if you just like run through as if you belong there like nobody really nobody thinks questions about it. yeah or yeah, they're probably too even. afraid that you're like the kid of uh, scott bacula from uh quantum leap or something there you <laughs> go yeah <laughs> you don't want to, uh, have that get back to him uh yeah wow that's such an interest and then and that period of time too the late 90s kind of pre-internet where so much more they had so much more real estate just uh, in in the world and in reporting where now that stuff is so dispersed and fact-checked yeah. or debunked or this or that where you could still craft a story and take a couple of days and still go to the restaurant the next day and be the first person to discover something that's a, a fascinating time and did did you in fact write something that was around that for you uh, based on that story yes yes i did um and I mean, I, what I what I like about writing the true stories about stuff is that like there's just a unique insight. Like I'm not worried about someone taking the idea because it's like there's no nobody had that. I mean, I'm sure somebody did somewhere, but like <laughs> must be I don't a know small any, club. Yeah, 
And and you know what? If someone does have that story, then they deserve to tell it. So. <laughs> <laughs> They're allowed. Sure. But but yeah, that was one of the first things I wrote, and and um, and it really it also made me appreciate the struggle that like single parents go through at a really young age. And of course, there are downsides, like you know, not having the traditional school thing, or yeah, you know, no like protected childhood. I didn't have that, but but in a way, it was also cool because I understood different objectives for different actions you know like these people want their privacy this person has to make their living or these people do certain things well if you are like belligerent and drunk to like everyone in that bar should you should nobody get to talk about it? like i don't know it's just they're interesting questions that i think come up that that make me really curious as a writer like oh there's a lot there are a lot of layers to this yeah know? yeah and at the, and i think you have to uh at the very least, respect the hustle involved uh, and the gumption to say, I have to take care of my family. Uh, here's something I can do. And then to go and do that and to just walk into the situation. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's a lot of It's a bravery. lot. My mom was dealing with so much. It was a 24-7 job and she had to travel and I sometimes went with her to travel. I'm like, it was it was crazy. I mean, and I find moral dilemmas just so interesting. Yeah. That just in the world, I think about it all the time. I'm like, who's right? Nobody. Everybody. Like, I have no idea. <laughs> I think about it with everything. It kind of shapes my way of thinking about stuff. Like, I don't really take sides on very much. Yeah. Just because it's like I think everybody has a point. You know. Sh sure. Um, but and it also gives a sense that you could be anything. I mean, if that's a job that. <laughs> Anything's not that a writer is a legitimate, you know, profession and a journalist and all that, but this sense of like uh, opportunity you can kind of create uh, just by walking into a room almost, which is not unlike maybe stand up or performing, where you have to have that kind of bravery to just say, "Here I am, and I'm going to say something." Uh, <laughs> yeah. Pay attention. Yeah. Yeah, it, yeah, it's an it's an odd job. It's a very LA job, and at the time, it was like it was in the heyday of this type of gossip. Like, there weren't cell phones where you could where everything was uploaded every second. It, it was a weekly thing, so you literally had a week right. for create. And if you were a celebrity, that was great. Like, you could get married on a Tuesday, and then nobody would report be reporting about it until the following Monday. Right. And it's like that's pretty great. You know, there wouldn't be like fifty million people with their iPhone sixes. Six. How old am I? Um, <laughs> they didn't have those um, either, to be fair. They didn't have those either. Yeah, you're right. But now I can say twelve. <laughs> <laughs> X S whatever the fuck, <laughs> um, you know that's and that like celebrity like the shit that that industry now is just so different than it was then. Yeah, and back then I think you had the ability to control the narrative in a much uh, more mm -hmm. concise way that you could dole that out and say, well, you can pay this much for this story to happen here, and then the, here you can have these pictures, and you know that was a different level of. All that stuff, which I have very little exposure to, quite frankly, but what I imagine happens. Um, was yeah. that your real interface with show business at an early age? I mean, was that it, other than kind of soaking it in in the, the Beverly Center escalators? <laughs> right. That was my first thing, was the escalators yeah. from P4 to P5. There, yep, there it is. Um, I, I actually acted and, and modeled a little bit when I was a kid. I did commercials and then I did some stuff for Disney. So I was I was involved, but I actually didn't love it when I was when I was younger. I think I think I was 
I'm, I'm truly like a writer at my core. So I think there was something about just auditioning or just modeling that like even at that stage, like I know I'm not going to be like a four year old writer, but like there was something that was just a little annoying about it or unfulfilling or something. Yeah. So I and then and then like those kids are like four going on 45. Like they they talk to you in a way that like adults. I, I just didn't like the other kids. It was weird and. I, the whole thing is weird. There are tutors like helping you with your homework to make sure that like yeah. you have everything done. It was just like not my favorite thing to do. And and when my mom, to her credit, she was like, okay, are you not really into this? And I was like, not really. And she's like, great, don't do it anymore. Like she didn't push me at all. And um, ended up coming back into it when I was 16. But I also, again, realized that like on camera acting isn't my strong suit. And I really fell in love with voiceover and writing and stand-up. And stand-up obviously includes so much writing. So I think having that trifecta yeah. was like the right thing for me. It, it, yeah, no, that well, it's good to find it, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's just it's constantly changing, right? Because like we're we're always evolving. And even though I think I'm, I will be doing stand-up and writing for the rest of my life, like what we might what we care about changes or what we feel comfortable doing changes. And yeah. it's just, you, you kind of have to just watch yourself from the outside, even while you're in it, just to be like, is this all syncing up properly? Right. Right. Which is interesting. And, and uh, it's, it's, you know, we, it's the word restless came up before that I, I said it, but, <laughs> but uh, you can say it again. I'm going to say it again. Uh, thinking about that and a kind of like a, because I was thinking, well, here's a kind of restless, artistic uh, person moving through the world. But also it strikes me that maybe there was, I asked about the relationship to the truth, but maybe it's also a relationship to uh, like a, a normal baseline. And by normal, I realize that's a kind of loaded proposition <laughs> because the thing that is normal for you is what it's just how yeah. it happened for you and uh, yeah. but it is so unlike anybody else's experience <laughs> right. experience uh, <laughs> no. so it's it, of course you would probably be drawn to these things where you can express yourself different ways and differently and to write to generate and to use the imagination and to do the voiceover where you have to rely on the imagination again to kind of describe this world because it wasn't pre-described for you. Is that making any sense? That makes a lot of sense. No, it, it, it totally does. And and when you were talking, it, it made me realize that there might be like a little theme between like there's probably an element of hiding in some way. Like when I'm doing voiceover, I don't think about how I look at all like I can make crazy faces and come up with crazy sounds and I'm not thinking about that or um and like with stand-up I can almost hide behind the writing too like I don't I mean I try not to these are these are that one's probably not as good of an example because it's literally the most like vulnerable exposed thing you can do it's, as it's a tricky. <laughs> that one's a tricky one to do isn't it because people it need to they need to have a sense of whoever you're projecting and they need to trust that as authentic for them to go right. with you on whatever journey you're going to take them on. It could be right. something fanciful, but there's, you have to sell them on that initial premise. That's right. That's right. But, but, but to your point, I, imagination is the common theme. Yeah. There's something about, I, I just, I just love having to explore something bigger than just the thing I'm doing. So if I'm like working on a cartoon, um, like when, when I was on family guy and American dad, when I work on those shows, like, 
it's fun to like watch they show us the clip that we're going to be working on first mm. and then we dub it to the lips and make sure that it's it's right and i like and obviously i need to do that to know when to speak but it's also cool to like close my eyes and just like pull myself into that world so it's like there are almost two things happening it's like i just love like watching it okay what am i supposed to do cool now like let it go and just like go into my imagination even if it's literally like just one screen i like feeling like i'm like crossing over to this other world right that isn't even real and then and then coming back and be like okay what's like the next thing <laughs> it's like it's weird it's like that but that's what i really love about animation and voiceover is that there's like so there's so much world to explore and there aren't rules and it's sometimes i even like draw stuff too and like that's fun because i'm like could this person have fangs sure like i i just like that i just i like i like no rules maybe that's and i don't know i never thought about it but maybe i never i never was expected to go by conventional rules or anything like that and my mom definitely didn't want me to be that way so maybe that's why i'm attracted to that kind of to those themes i guess yeah, it's possible that would make sense wouldn't it <laughs> i guess it would oh my goodness well our work well, is you, done you, yeah no i was gonna say like how much do you charge because <laughs> you just solved all my problems now my world is very clear yeah no that's terrific um i i i too uh, enjoy that kind of um, ability to disappear uh, and to, to to segue into like through that portal into that other uh, expansive universe sometimes i get overwhelmed by the decisions and that there are too many like you say i can draw this with i could have fangs and when there's nothing to respond to i actually can fold back in on myself a little bit right. and, and respond to that. Even if you just gave me a word, fangs, I would be better off than if it was like, totally. here's a void. <laughs> I don't know what to do. Uh, I know what you mean. It can be intimidating. Yeah. Do, does your does doing this podcast help you? Like, does it does it scratch that itch of being in like another world or sure. not? Yeah. 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 I think so. It's a it's a thing to hold on to. And I already yeah. have several turtlenecks. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, I think I think so. Sure, yeah, yeah. Plus, I just get to talk to people, which is nice. <laughs> That's great. Because <laughs> then it helps me think about. Oh, okay, maybe this situation is can be seen in this light, or there's another way to approach it, or, or all of that. Yeah. It's a good excuse to have conversations with weird people and <laughs> see their weird decisions. That's right. Strange thinking. <laughs> um, well, you you uh, you mentioned a couple of things that I want to come back to. Uh, one, uh, auditions, and my gosh, the voiceover ones certainly are easier overall. But I don't think people really understand, unless it's just me, <laughs> the volume that has to happen for voiceover things to because you've done ads and you've done commercial things and written them and whatnot uh, and, and voiced them you know how much input to output <laughs> happens right uh, or, it's a good you know, phrase yeah it's or output to in which, which either way uh, um it's a lot isn't it yeah you mean like how how much you can put out with how little will actually come back that's right i'm saying you? how many auditions you have to do to actually land oh my one god jesus i don't even know like i lost count years ago <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> years and years it's so many um, 
it's so many like and voiceover is such a huge world it's so competitive and they never no one knows what they're actually thinking and that's true for like on-camera acting they'll, they'll think they know but it's not until somebody does something really specific that they didn't ask for that they're like perfect you know right. it, it and and honestly the voiceover stuff i got was like by luck it wasn't through auditions it was just it was just luck um same here but <laughs> <laughs> really yeah honest. it's like it's so hard it's so hard yep. like I, I definitely don't consider myself like a huge expert or anything, just because i'm like i haven't i haven't booked a million things like uh, it's not like that no i got a big but, big but foam I ball see... i got a blanket and still nothing <laughs> exactly <laughs> oh god right i know but i could see i could totally see somebody you know knowing your voice being like no he's perfect like we don't even have to ask all these, that's usually how right. it goes. That, that <laughs> is like... exactly my experience when it did happen for me uh, uh, with a big ad thing. It, that That's what it was. It's an old friend remembered me and brought me in and when we did it. Oh my God, you just sound like someone who reads books. <laughs> <laughs> like how many leather bound books do you have there's a, under your feet right few. now? Most, I'm surrounded by them, yeah. <laughs> I, I have a very it. narrow walkway. <laughs> right, 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 right. Uh, yeah, those are your roommates. That's right. Um, well, uh, and uh, the the Family Guy, American Dad stuff uh, I mentioned to you. Uh, you okay on time, by the way? Yes. Okay. Um, I, I don't have a lot to say. <laughs> I don't have a lot to go into on this, but I just want to make sure. Um, yeah, no problem. Uh, with with uh, that whole enterprise, uh, that uh, is involved with Seth, right, McFarlane, mm -hmm. and uh, he's a fella. I know from ways back, uh, <laughs> having studied a little bit of mold making at the Rhode Island School of Design, I remember a teen Seth uh, McFarlane, and that little fuzzy Crazy. door business that's his production company was this dorm room door. And he had a piece of cut out fur or something uh, that was on the, I'm pretty sure, unless my memory's wrong. And I think he might have been an RA, because I, I thought he was slightly older or something. Um, if you can imagine that. And, uh, but I remember that door. So whenever you see that little production, I, oh, I remember walking past that. Uh, but he was so square. This is the moment of the podcast where I just tell you a Seth MacFarlane story. Uh, <laughs> I am all about this. Yes. I, I mean, what did R.A. Seth do? <laughs> uh, well, it's just that he just didn't fit in within, you know, art school is a certain kind of population and it can be very diverse within that. But there's a kind of, character that inhabits that and he was definitely on the more straight edge part of that button-up shirt khaki pants kind of thing which you might say that's so far that direction that it's radical and coming back again uh, but <laughs> but i just remember going to the end of the year film showcase for all the student films and you know you'd be watching something and it would be like a whale baby gives birth to a glowing ball of slime in a basement or an animated korean fable about a rose that turns into a woman <laughs> and then you'd have oh Seth's God. thing would be an animated uh, uh musical about a construction guy named larry and it looked exactly like <laughs> <laughs> like family guy it was the same style so imagine that coming into the context <laughs> of all these other just experiment one was just sound and shapes <laughs> and then this thing would happen it just was so uh, i mean it took a little bit of audacity to 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 do that 
in, in that space. And also it strikes me, we're talking about kind of finding it and using the imagination. That's a fellow that locked into what he wanted to do and has not let up and has been very successful <laughs> by that. And I can never, uh, I've never been able to, to say, that's the thing. There we go. Now I dedicate my entire life to it. <laughs> yeah, but also like who who knows how much he knew at, at the time? You know, sometimes maybe he was just like, I just love doing these characters. And if I can only do it in this newspaper or whatever, then fine. And then it just, you know, who who knows? Like, I, I mean, I don't I, I've never met him. I don't know him personally at all. But like, who who knows if he was like, no, I see this being like a three show like three show thing that lasts for like more than 50,000 seasons each like who you know True. it's like I don't I don't know if he knew but like I know what you mean about like that that passion thing like this is this is the one thing like other than stand-up I haven't even gotten like I know that I want to write like I know that I want to do things, but it, but the amount of like I would give my life up for this one for these three characters or whatever. Like, right. yeah, I've never had I've never had that. And he was obviously like committed enough to know that that was the direction he needed or wanted to take. It's like that's impressive. And to have such a clear voice, though, even if the, you know, as the world his opportunity world expands, he expands into it and continues to grow that way. But to be that clear and consistent. In terms of the creative voice that he wants to speak in. And it's something that you see with stand-up trying to get to that point is often the goal. Um, it's uh, something I marvel at. And I don't, I'm not really passing judgment on it other than to say, that's not me. <laughs> no, no, I know what you mean. It, it, he, he knew, like, his tone and his style of jokes were set in so early. Yeah. That's that's to be envied, but, in my opinion. Like, ugh. Not having to like discuss, like go through years of trial and error and discover that is like, ugh, yeah. how could we be that fucking lucky? Right. Like, but lucky not, he obviously weren't just lucky that he was able to like latch on to that. Like, what a mind. I mean, yeah. it's truly like, it. it's incredible. Like, I'll go back and watch the first season of Family Guy and still be just in awe of the kinds of jokes they have. And they make it so digestible like they don't they they can be complex but they make it so dumb and simple right. and i'm just like <laughs> oh my god like that takes so much skill he's truly truly like a genius yeah to get to that finer point and, and it, as you said that efficiently uh is, is something <laughs> It's yeah, because even with jokes, I'll, I'll feel like I have a simple idea, but then it takes me forever to say it in a complicated way until it gets simple again. Yeah. Like, he yeah. just cuts out that middle part, and it's just like, here's the joke, and you're just like, you motherfucker! <laughs> <laughs> How do you do that? It's so... Can I curse on that? I know I, I um, did it before I asked, but... Yes, it's fine, as long as I can cough. <laughs> you, can... you can cough. <laughs> No COVID uh, through the screen. Yeah, no, no, we're all safe. We're all safe. Um, <laughs> and uh, that's that's something that <clears throat> we can uh, envy. Of course, our paths are our own. And uh, you've been doing the stand-up since you were, what, 19 or something. And you've really been able to develop your voice. And it has developed in the way that it is needed to. And, and that's pretty good. Thank you. 
yeah. for saying that. I, I I hope it is. It's I, I I'm curious to see how it, it'll be now that we're hopefully on the other side of this COVID thing, just because I think I've changed a lot. My life, I mean, all of our lives have certainly changed a lot, but I think my perspective on things have also changed. So it'll be every time you kind of like shed your skin and have to put yourself in front of people again in this new outfit that you don't, that you're not used to wearing. And like, it'll, it'll be interesting to just see, see how it comes out. You know, I might, I might feel like a kid again, trying to like, you know, work things out, but I think pro probably everybody's in that boat right now. Like, it, I think it's probably all in our best interest to take what we've learned and try to move it, move it forward and see how we can evolve in our art as well as our lives, you know? We'll see. Absolutely. Well said. And I, <laughs> I share that uh, hope and that optimism that uh, we don't just fall back to whatever it was, that we can uh, take what we've learned and... Uh, even through the processing of a great deal of trauma and uh, various experiences, difficult ones and, and joyful ones, uh, but to get to a, a new place and to shape that new place um, with great intention and honesty and joy. Yeah, yeah you know all about that. <laughs> all of are, there are there crystals for those things? Sure, yeah. Yeah, that's that's mostly what they're for. <laughs> You're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you have a self care routine? I don't see any crystals behind you, but you, you may have them on an altar. I have cartoons behind me. Oh yeah, um, <laughs> those are good too. <laughs> um, I I meditate every day. That's perfect. Um, yeah, um, that's been I've been doing that for like ten years. Um, it's great. We need something like that, don't we? with those of us with restless minds prone to the imagination, it's good to have a grounding practice. Yeah, it's really nice. It puts some space between me and my crazy thoughts and ideas. <laughs> Sometimes it's just good to be like, oh no, that's not that's not real. The fuck are you talking about? Come on. <laughs> right. And then on to the next one, you know? Yep. Yep. But yeah, exercise is like a huge part of my life. And um, I, I'm, I'm like, I'm an, I'm a hippie too. I make my own deodorant. Oh yeah. And it, it yeah. probably works. Unlike many of the ones that they. Oh my God, <laughs> it actually works. That's why when people like talk about how like, you know, organic deodorant doesn't work at all. I'm like, you don't know. Yeah. You have no idea how little you can smell. <laughs> well, it's great. Uh, maybe you can share that recipe with me uh, once we're, yeah. once we're done here. Cause that would be terrific. Sure. Um, sure. I'm always interested in a tincture or some kind of a potion. So, uh, yeah, let's do that. Um, Great. But Zara, this has been fantastic. Thank you yes. so much for joining me. Um, of course. This is, uh, it's great. I learned a lot. And uh, the show is coming out May 21st. We're going to listen uh, for your voice and the Thank episodes you. and pick you out. And uh, I wish you continued success in everything you're doing. Oh, Dale, you too. Thank you so, thank you so much for having me. This was, this was a blast. I'm glad you reached out. Terrific. Well, we'll talk to you again soon. Absolutely. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Ah, well, I have to admit, now that I hear it all again, I find it very funny that we talked about being so much inside our heads while also referencing a Marvel character who is basically just a giant head. All that rises must converge, friends. Oh, I'm telling you, I don't know what guides me to find our guest for this show. I do not know, but time and again, it's someone with whom I have this powerful connection with. 
Now, maybe we're just not all that different, or maybe there's really something at work. But I'm so glad to have found a fellow seeker like Zara. Do check out Modoc on Hulu May 21st, and if Zara's on a bill, or, or, or something, or on a comedy show near you, just go catch the show, why not? Until then, I hope we all use our voices to push ourselves into existence in whatever way that makes sense for you. That will do it for us this week. We'll be back again next week with another great conversation. But until that happens, remember that although this night is ending, a bright new day is just ahead. Deep Night with Dale is produced and performed by James Bewley. Season theme song by Mariam Cadus of Space Moth. Season podcast icon by Philippa Beleza. Incidental music heard throughout the program by the talented roster at Howler Hills Farm in Ohio. Remember to rate and review the program on Apple Podcasts or tune in and stream the show on Spotify, SoundCloud, Pandora, or Stitcher, wherever you find fine audio content. To see any of our live shows or other short videos, visit our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Radio, and follow us on Instagram at Seaver is the handle. Thanks again for listening, and remember this season to keep your portals open and at a safe distance. <laughs>